0: Upwork has the world's largest network of independent professionals. So if you need a go-to designer, a video editor, or a social media specialist for six days or six months, Upwork is how. And it's basically like they're right here in your office. Except they're not here here, so they can't hear Greg's remarkably loud typing. Hey, buddy! I take it back. You can hear that from anywhere. And Upwork professionals are proven, rated, and reviewed. When you need in-demand talent on demand, Upwork is how. You're listening to Lucy Kellaway's podcast from the Financial Times. First, we were employees, plain and simple. Then we were knowledge workers. After that came brand me and the notion that we were all CEOs of me, Inc. Now our taste for hyperbole and describing our place in the economic order has become still more rarefied. What every modern worker aspires to be is a thought leader. The blame for this latest craze rests with the editor of Strategy and Business, a management magazine. In 1994, he needed a name for a new interview slot and came up with Thought Leader. Back then, it seemed a forgivably pompous title for the pompous thoughts of management gurus. Thirteen years on, it's come to be a much less forgivable name for any old fool in possession of an ego and a blog. The title offends for three reasons, and pomposity is the least of them. It is inappropriately Orwellian. In free societies, thoughts can be provoked or stimulated or gathered, but not led. Worse still, no one seems quite sure what thought leader means. You might think that to qualify as a thought leader, you needed to have a thought, preferably a new one, and be able to influence other people with it. Yet mostly, when the term is used, there's no sign of any thinking or leading going on at all. This week, the Thought Leader Index 2007 is published by a new communications and thought leadership consultancy called Ledbury Group. It went round asking chief executives, trade union leaders, editors, all thought leaders themselves, one assumes, to name their favourite thought leaders. The result, surely gives an up-to-date snapshot of what the term actually means. Top of the list is Google. This presents the first challenge to my definition. Google has no thoughts and no brain with which to have them, as it is a company. It might be brilliantly successful, but is it a thought leader? It has only led my thoughts to the extent that I no longer retain any knowledge in my head. I just look everything up on its website instead, but I don't think that counts. The next favourite thought-leading business is Apple. Again, I don't get it. Apple leads my wallet and my taste for gorgeous sleek gadgets, but not my thoughts. I'm oddly forgiving each time my iPod breaks and hurry to the Apple store to replace it with a more glamorous model, but that's as far as it goes. You could say both Goldman Sachs and McKinsey, respectively 8th and ninth place, suggest thoughts of a kind. Goldman's thought is we're richer than you, and McKinsey's is, we are brainier than you. Both companies also transmit a more subliminal thought, we know something you don't, so stay close to us. Yet this is more a veiled threat than an idea, and so it doesn't really count. Of the top ten companies, only the British retailer John Lewis, in fourth place, has a proper original thought, and that is, we are owned by our employees. But on closer inspection, this isn't really a thought, a business model. From this list of thought-leading companies, the concept seems to boil down to this. Thought-leader is simply a new and unhelpful way of saying successful. The list of the top thought-leading individuals is just as baffling. The number one slot goes to Al Gore. This shows that to be considered a thought-leader, you don't have to have a thought of your own. It's fine to take someone else's. Gore's contribution was saying it very loudly, with some PowerPoint slides. Bill Gates follows. I would classify him as a former thought leader. His was the idea that there should be a PC on every desk in every home, and very influential it was, too. But as for any other specific thought he's had, I can't think of one. By contrast, David Cameron has a very clear thought. I want to be Prime Minister, but the snag is that it's too early to know if the rest of Britain wants it, too. Gordon Brown fittingly makes it onto the list at number 10, though if I were him, my main thought would be, why the hell have I been ranked behind Sir Terry Leahy of Tesco, whose only thought is to build more and more hideous supermarkets? I'm left none the wiser by the Thought Leader Index, so for elucidation I've gone back to Google. For just $109, you can buy a book called How to Be a Thought Leader, written by nine leading thought leaders. In the blurb, I couldn't see anything about thinking at all. It's all about passion, relevance and reach. A more helpful website offers the following definition. A thought leader is a person or company that actively promotes and discusses ideas that are relevant to their peer base. But if that's all it is, being a thought leader is a total doddle. But it also raises the more interesting question of why companies or people feel there's something so great about it. Surely the job of business leaders is to lead business, not to have original thoughts. The second may sometimes be a route to the first, but equally it may not be. An analogy with my somewhat inarticulate sons is apt. By the above definition, both are thought leaders as they actively promote and discuss World of Warcraft, a lethal and addictive computer game favoured by their peers. But what's so good about that? Indeed... I wish they'd stop leading thoughts and get on with their homework instead. Thank you for listening. To read Lucy Kellaway's columns online, please visit www.ft.com forward slash Hello, I'm Gideon Rachman, Chief Foreign Affairs Columnist for the Financial Times, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my weekly podcast, The Rachman Review in which I talk to correspondents, decision-makers, and thinkers about world affairs. As policymakers grapple with the impact of coronavirus, we've decided to focus on the politics of the pandemic, from the way citizens are reacting to the lockdown in Spain and Italy, to how the hyper-connected, globalised world has left us vulnerable to planetary emergencies. So please join me every Wednesday morning on Acast, or your preferred podcast platform.